While the Baltimore Orioles are still mathematically alive in the playoff chase here with seven games remaining, I think we can all agree after Wednesday's loss that it's pretty much mathematically over for the Orioles. As I'll recap their 3-1 to loss to the Red Sox and talk about how weird all these Orioles-Red Sox games have been all season. That's coming up on this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast. You are Locked On Orioles, your daily Baltimore Orioles podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, Orioles fans. Today is Thursday, September 29th, 2022. And welcome back in to the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, Connor Newcomb. And coming up on today's episode, we're going to start by recapping another Orioles loss. They fall 3-1 to to the Red Sox on Wednesday night. Another huge, huge hit to their slim playoff hopes. I'll get you the five things you need to know from that one. And then we'll go back and look at the season series between the Orioles and the Red Sox. Because they play their final game of 2022 here on Thursday. And they have the season series tied up at 9. The winner of Thursday's game takes that season series. And it's been a weird, weird season series between Boston and Baltimore. We'll break that down. And then we'll talk a bit about the Orioles' roster moves. They made six of them before Wednesday's game to try and get some fresh arms and some new guys into that bullpen. We'll break down why they made the moves that they did. All coming up on this episode of the Locked on Orioles podcast. But before we get there, just did want to thank you for making Locked on Orioles your first podcast listen of the day. We're free and available on all podcast listening platforms, whether it be Apple Podcasts or Spotify. If you could leave a five-star rating and a review, that really helps the pod. And of course, make sure to like, comment, and subscribe to the Locked On Orioles YouTube channel helps me to continue to bring you content here, not just during the season, but into the offseason as well for the Orioles. And we thank you again for making Locked On Orioles your first listen of the day. For your first listen today, let's start with an O's loss. Red Sox 3, Orioles 1 is the final score from Wednesday night at Fenway Park. Boston takes a 2-1 to lead. In this four-game series, and the Orioles have now lost four out of five after those back-to-back huge wins over the Houston Astros since they got the three straight incredible starts, nine innings, eight and two-third, nine innings. The Orioles have just been bad in the stretch since then, going one and four, and again, just completely knocking off any hopes they have of the postseason. And again, they are not technically eliminated at this point, but they've got seven games remaining on the schedule. Now, as I record here, right about 10 p.m. Eastern Time on Wednesday night, the Orioles were actually the only wild card team so far that has finished up its game. Now, it looks like the Yankees are going to beat the Blue Jays. They lead six to three in the eighth. Of course, Aaron Judge got his 61st home run to give the Yankees the lead in the seventh inning. So, with that score, that would keep the Orioles six and a half back of Toronto, which means they would still have the absolute slimmest of chances of catching the Blue Jays. Also right now, you've got Tampa Bay and Cleveland tied up 1-1 to in the 8th. That game had a weather delay at one point. Obviously, you're cheering for Cleveland. If Cleveland can win, the O's stay 5 back of Tampa. If Tampa wins, they go to 6 back of Tampa. And then you got the Seattle games, which really just matter the most 
at this point. And shout out to the Texas Rangers. They did their job on Tuesday night, beating the Mariners 5-0 to keep the Orioles 3.5 back of Seattle. As I record, Texas has a 1-0 lead over the Mariners in the first inning. Hopefully, the Rangers can win that game again. If they do, Orioles stay 3.5 back. If not, the O's would drop to 4.5 back of Seattle, a team they would have to have a better record then to make the playoffs. With just seven games remaining, they'd have to make up five games in the standings. It's not technically, but it's pretty much over. But still, going to get you the five things you need to know from this Orioles 3-1 loss to the Red Sox. And the first thing you need to know is that, well, the Orioles offense just kind of didn't show up in this game. Just one run on seven hits for the Orioles in this one. And they were just dominated by Rich Hill once again. And the Orioles were just a strikeout machine in this game. 12 strikeouts for the Orioles offense, nine of them. We're from Rich Hill, who went six scoreless, five hits, nine Ks, and one walk in this game. For the veteran, then Ryan Brazier, Caleb Ort, and Matt Barnes finished out the final three innings for Boston. I mean, Ryan Mountcastle, 0 for 4 with four strikeouts. I mean, he looked lost at the plate in this game. Anthony Santander came in with back-to-back games of two home runs, 0 for 4 with two strikeouts. Jorge Mateo, 0 for 3 with two strikeouts. I mean, a couple of guys... Maybe you could say had a good game. I mean, the guy who had the best game at the plate was Ryan McKenna, who got the start in the leadoff spot hitting first and and playing center field against the left-hander Hill. He went two for two, a single, a double, and a walk in this game. He reached base all three times before Kyle Stowers pinch hit for him against a righty late in the game. He was the only one who, in this game, was able to reach base more than once. That can't be happening especially against a Red Sox pitching staff and Rich Hill that not very good this year. But the second thing you need to know is, I'll admit, the Orioles lineup did not help in this game, at least the starting lineup. It was uh, one of the worst-looking lineups of the year. Of course, you did have Ryan McKenna in the leadoff spot, which did pay off. He reached base all three times. That's what you got to do out of the leadoff spot. But you had Jesus Aguilar hitting fourth, Austin Hayes hitting fifth, Tyler Nevin, who was recalled on Wednesday, was hitting sixth. You had Robinson Chirinos in there, Cedric Mullins, Adley Rutschman, Gunnar Henderson all getting the day off. Kyle Stowers was not in the order either. It looked rough, and uh, it produced one run. And again, I'm not one to freak out over every single lineup. The lineups really don't have a huge effect on the games, especially over a 162-game season. But yeah, this was, was a little rough. And again, I don't mind giving guys a day off. Cedric Mullins deserves a day off. If you're going to get Adley Rutschman another day off, better to do it against a lefty. He struggles against him, and now he can catch the Thursday game against a right-handed starter. But it's tough to have Henderson, Mullins, and Rutschman all not in there. And some of the bats they did have in there have not been good this year. So not super surprising what the Orioles did, given the nine they started the game with. Third thing you need to know is that, well, the only run for the Orioles came off the bat of Robinson Chirinos. He hits his fourth home run of the season, a solo shot to lead off the eighth inning. It made it a 3-1 to game. That was it. That was all the Orioles got across in the run department. Chirinos cracked a ball on the first pitch of the eighth inning to dead center field. Hit it 400 feet, 102.6 off the bat. And he came right in and just unleashed one hasn't hit many balls that hard this season but looked good off Chirinos's bat it was the first pitch that Caleb Ort the Red Sox right-hander threw as he entered the game in the eighth inning but 
that was it for the Orioles. And if Robinson Chirinos is your only run producer, you're not going to win many games. And of course, that's what happened on Wednesday night. Fourth thing you need to know from this one, Dean Kramer, kind of like Kyle Bradish on Tuesday night, just did not do a great job following up his incredible start over the weekend against Houston. Of course, we all watched him throw a complete game shutout against the Astros on Friday night. That was not what he did on Wednesday. And granted, he wasn't nearly as bad as Kyle Bradish was on Tuesday night, but it certainly was not pretty to watch Dean Kramer pitch on Wednesday. Five-plus innings. He allows three runs on six hits, two strikeouts, four walks, and two home runs allowed for Kramer, who threw 95 pitches and allowed eight hard-hit balls in the game, raises his ERA to 3.17 on the year. Four walks in five innings, a concerning number for Kramer, especially with just two strikeouts. Now, he was through five innings with just two runs on four hits, and he was looking okay. He came back out for the sixth Gave up a leadoff homer to Alex Verdugo, then gave up a double to J.D. Martinez, and that's when he was pulled from the game. Luckily, the inherited runners did not score, but uh, yeah, the stuff just wasn't as crisp from Dean Kramer. Didn't throw as many strikes, and he didn't get basically any swings and misses. Only four whiffs on 42 pitches from Dean Kramer. Not great. And, you know, what really worked for him against the Astros on Friday night was a lot of cutters and a lot of curveballs and a lot of sinkers and not a lot of four-seamers. Well, instead, he only threw 10 curveballs on Wednesday while throwing 34 cutters and 28 four-seamers, 13 change-ups, just 10 sinkers. It was not the mix that got the Astros out, and Kramer looked worse. Now, you could tell he was fighting the command on a couple of his pitches, including the sinker and the curveball. That's maybe why he didn't throw them as much. But it was not pretty. And again, for Dean Kramer, he will get one more start this season before his offseason ends. He looks to be scheduled to start Monday at Camden Yards against the Blue Jays. So hopefully he can finish a little stronger than this because this one was just a different pitch mix and he looked like a different pitcher in this one against the Red Sox. But the fifth and final thing you need to know is the reason Boston only scored three runs in this game is Keegan Aiken just completely shut them down out of the bullpen. And remember earlier in the week when the Orioles optioned Aiken to AAA, I talked about how it probably meant his season was over because, you know, he would struggled so much recently, especially in the second half, and he couldn't come back to the roster unless there was an injury. Well, there was an injury, which we'll get to. Ramon Arias, the Orioles placed him on the injured list, and it gave them a chance because they needed to revitalize the bullpen with fresh arms anyway to recall Keegan Aiken. And it looks like he'll probably now finish the season with the team and Aiken may have put together, I mean, definitely his best appearance of the second half and maybe his best appearance of the season. Aiken entered with a runner on second and nobody out in the fifth. It was a 3-0 game. And he just absolutely dominated the Red Sox. He allowed a single to the first batter he faced, although J.D. Martinez did not score from second. He had to stop at third. And then Aiken has a first and third nobody out jam. He gets out of it and then works a scoreless seventh, a scoreless eighth. At the end of this one, three scoreless innings, one hit, two strikeouts, no walks on just 37 pitches and just two hard-hit balls against Keegan Aiken. I mean, he hasn't pitched that well since, like, May for the Orioles. But he came back and was just dominant. Had five whiffs on 26 swings, was getting a lot of soft contact. His fastball velocity was way up. He was sitting 95-96 in this game, which was really impressive. The velo on all of his pitches were up. He had three whiffs on the changeup, which he was commanding well in this one. I was really impressed by Keegan Aiken again. We haven't seen something that good from him in a long, long time. 
So, you know, maybe this could even be his final outing of the season. I'm sure he'll probably pitch at least one more time, maybe twice before the season ends. But if he can finish strong like this, gives me a little bit more confidence in him making the Orioles bullpen again in 2023. But despite Aiken's best efforts, the offense just did absolutely nothing. And the Orioles fall 3-1 to one to the Red Sox in this game. And again, drop to 80-75 and 75 now on the season. Still in search of that 81st win to avoid this losing season. And they still haven't clinched fourth place in the division. Boston still could potentially catch them in the standings here if Boston was perfect and the Orioles lost out. But uh, the O's have a chance to clinch the season series against the Red Sox and clinch not finishing at last if they can win the day game here on Thursday. But it will be the final game of the season series between the Orioles and the Red Sox coming up today. And it's 9-9 right now. So this one for all the marbles between Boston and Baltimore. And it's been just a wild season series between these two teams. These 18 games so far... There's barely been any of them that have just been normal baseball games. Something weird, something wacky has happened almost every time these teams have played this season. So coming up next, we're going to dive into these first 18 games between Boston and Baltimore and just kind of run down all the weird stuff that's happened between these two teams this season. But first, summer's winding down, the nights are getting longer, but the breeze isn't the only thing that's getting stiff. That's right, this episode is sponsored by Blue Chew. Now, guys, we all know that confidence can take you far in life. That's especially true in the bedroom, especially when it's time to step up to the plate. Now, that is where Blue Chew comes in. Blue Chew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but in chewable tablets and at a fraction of the cost. And you can take them anytime, day or night, so you can plan ahead or be ready whenever an opportunity arises. The process it's simple. You sign up at BlueChew.com. You consult with one of their licensed medical providers. And once you're approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. And the best part, it's all done online. So there's no visits to the doctor's office, no awkward conversations, no waiting in line at the pharmacy. So if you could benefit from some extra confidence when it's time to perform, chew it and do it. And we've got a special deal for our listeners. Try Blue Chew free. When you use our promo code Locked On at checkout, just pay $5 in shipping. That's BlueChew.com, promo code Locked On, to receive your first month free. Visit BlueChew.com for more details and important safety information. And we thank Blue Chew for sponsoring the podcast. So the Orioles fall to the Red Sox on Wednesday night, which evened up the season series at nine games apiece. The day game later today will decide who wins the season series between these two teams. And now it does look like the O's are most likely going to finish with a better record than the Red Sox, finish ahead of them in the standings, and stay out of last place. But it's just been a crazy season series between these two teams. And not a lot of people have paid attention because Boston's been very disappointing this year. And although the Orioles have obviously overplayed anybody's expectations... They were never even sitting in a playoff spot. They were certainly in the race. But in general, these two teams have kind of gone under the radar in the national spectrum of Major League Baseball this year. But they've played 18 times. And as I looked through some of the box scores and the scores of these games and, and thinking back to what happened in each of these, I kind of realized there was either something notable, weird, wacky, or just crazy that happened in pretty much almost Every game. So just a little trip down memory lane from the season, the wild season between Boston and Baltimore. Just wanted to run through every game here and take a look at all the stuff that happened between these two teams this year. You start on April 29th 
at Camden Yards, the first meeting between the two. And it's the Kyle Bradish debut. And talking about something wacky, well, the first batter that Bradish faces is Trevor Story. He strikes him out, but the ball gets away for a drop third strike, and Story reaches first. That's how Kyle Bradish's major league career started, if you remember that, in the first inning of that game. Bradish pitched well, but the Red Sox won it 3-1. to one. Then the very next night, you have the walk-off bunt and error for the Orioles. In the 10th inning with the game tied at 1, Robinson Chirinos to lead off the inning, squares to lay down a sack bunt to get Jorge Mateo to third, and Salamora, the Red Sox right-hander, picks up the bunt, turns around, and just chucks it into left field. Jorge Mateo basically walks home, and the Orioles walk off on the E1 against the Red Sox. Then the next day on Sunday, the O's won at 9-5 to win that series, and it was a big offensive game for the Orioles, but the weird thing that happened If you remember, it was one of the last times that Travis Lakins pitched for the Orioles this year. He pitched the ninth inning with the O's up 9-1 and allowed a grand slam to J.D. Martinez that actually kind of let the Red Sox back in that game, and things got a little squirrely in the ninth inning. Just kind of the last memory of Travis Lakins in the big leagues this year and probably forever with the Orioles. Then you fast forward to May 27th, probably the most notable game between the two teams this year, the crazy 12-8 comeback victory for the Orioles, who were down 8-2 in the seventh, scored 10 runs in the final three innings on that Apple TV Plus game to come back and shock Fenway Park and beat the Red Sox. That was an incredible game, one of the most memorable of the season after the year. Going to kind of run down like the top 10 games of the year. That one in Boston is certainly going to be up there the next day the teams had a doubleheader and they split it doubleheader is pretty notable you can put that in there then on the 29th well Bruce Zimmerman just kept giving up home runs the Orioles lost that game 12 to 2 and that was kind of the time we realized Bruce Zimmerman may need to go back down to AAA because he was just giving up homer after homer in that Sunday game and that was one of the last straws for Bruce before he was sent down and of course he's only been back twice since then and just kind of fallen off a cliff, did Bruce Zimmerman, and that was the start of it. And then the next day, it was a weird five-game series that ended with a Monday game. Orioles won that one 10-0. Tyler Wells threw six scoreless. Anthony Santander had a three-run homer in the ninth inning uh, that just completely crushed the Red Sox spirits. I mean, that stadium was empty when he hit that ball. And that was the game, if you remember, where they panned over to the Oriole dugout in the ninth inning with them up big. And Rugnet Odor had put on the full catcher's gear, uh, just playing around in the dugout. Kind of a memorable, funny moment from him this season. Then the two teams didn't play for two and a half months, and they met again on August 11th. Kind of a weird game. Remember that Thursday game where the Orioles lost 4-3 to to the Red Sox? Eric Hosmer had an RBI double against Nick Vespi in the sixth that ended up being the game-winning run. It was just a one-off game because they had to kind of fit it into the schedule because of the lockout and just made it weird, and the O's lost that one. Then you go to August 19th, maybe the craziest game between these two teams this year. Orioles 15, Red Sox 10 on a Friday night at Camden Yards. I was there. This game was nuts. Keegan Aiken gave up five runs. The Orioles had a big lead. It goes right back down to one. Then the Orioles put up a five-run inning of their own. They literally couldn't stop scoring in that game. It went back and forth, back and forth. It was a weird baseball game to be at. It was a fun baseball game to be at. But the O's just kept hitting homers, kept scoring runs. The Red Sox could not get anybody out in that one. Go to the next day. Maybe the only normal game. 
the two teams have played this year. It was just a 4-3 to three Red Sox win. Okay, 1 of 18 was normal. That's about it. And then you go to the 21st. You play at the Little League World Series, the Williamsport game. The Jorge Mateo bases clearing double in the eighth inning to give the O's the win. Such a cool game in Williamsport and such a cool finish for the O's to win that one. Then to September, we have these last couple series where the two teams have met. September 9th in Baltimore, Gunnar Henderson had one of his early big hits with the O's, a two-run single in the sixth to give the O's a 3-2 lead. They would win the game 3-2. Then you have the next game where Jordan Lyles was clearly still sick. Ryan McKenna pitches, and the Orioles lose 17-4 to the Red Sox. And then the Sunday game, Rich Hill, like he did Wednesday night, dominates the Orioles. The offense looks lost. They lose 1-0, a game where the pitching was incredible. They just need to scratch across something, and they couldn't do it. And that was kind of the game where we saw this whole thing turn on the Orioles in terms of being in the playoff race. It was really that one nothing game against the Red Sox. And then you have these last three games. Monday night, the Orioles win 14-8. to Santander hits two homers. The Orioles just crush the ball around the ballpark. You have the insanity that was Tuesday night. Red Sox win 13-9. They get six in the third to go up 8-3. O's get five in the fourth to tie it at eight. Then the Red Sox come right back with five in the bottom of the fourth to go up 13-8, and they win it 13-9. Errors, bad pitching, walks, the works. And then you have Wednesday night, where the Orioles offense once again can do absolutely nothing with Rich Hill, a frustrating game for the O's, and now 9-9 in this season series. Now, the O's have given up more runs to the Red Sox than anyone else. They have now been outscored 101-100. to by Boston in the 18 games. Again, each team has won nine games. It's been a very even season series when you look at it like that. But when you look at some of the score lines, 17 to 4, 14 to 8, 10 nothing, 12 to 2, doesn't really feel like it's been even. But in terms of run scored, it basically has been. And excited to, uh, kind of excited for the season series to be over between these two teams because a lot of stress going on in these Orioles Red Sox games. But With the O's and Red Sox playing on Wednesday night, the Orioles played with three new players on the roster as they made a big chunk of roster moves before Wednesday's game, like Dak talked about and, and, you know, thought they really would on yesterday's podcast. So coming up next, we'll break down the moves the Orioles made, why they made them, and if these guys will stay with the club for the remainder of the season. So the Orioles lost the game Wednesday night, but did add a few players back to the roster before Wednesday's night game. And and frankly, they had to. Obviously, one reason is Ramon Arias went on the injured list, as we'll get to. But also, the bullpen was just taxed. They used everybody but Felix Bautista that was available in the Tuesday night loss. The O's bullpen has pitched a lot over the past couple of days. They just needed some fresh arms in there. So the first guy they got back was Keegan Aiken. You know, I talked about how his season might be over. He couldn't come back if there's an injury. Well, the Orioles technically brought him back to replace an injured player. He technically replaced Ramon Arias on the roster. So Aiken comes back, and he pitches well, as I talked about. Three scoreless innings. Ramon Arias on the flip side. He goes on the injured list with a knee sprain. That is going to end Ramon Arias' season. And it's unfortunate because he certainly had an up-and-down year, but he plays in 118 games, 445 plate appearances for the Orioles this year for Arias. 
Hits 248 with a 305 on base and a 414 slugging percentage with 16 home runs. He was just a little better than average. Finished with a 104 WRC plus on the year, which means he was 4% better than the MLB average hitter this year. Really good at sometimes, really bad at sometimes. We'll recap Arias' season further in a couple weeks, but tough to see it end with the injury. He was playing through injuries the last week or so and just had to put him on the injured list. Now, the Orioles obviously had to replace him with an infielder, so they called up Tyler Nevin, who has been in the minors for about a month now since the Orioles sent him down to make room for Gunnar Henderson when they added him to the roster. And Nevin had had been a struggle at the major league level. Now, he did have a hit, got the start in the lineup on Wednesday, came up with a single, his first hit with the Orioles since August 3rd. But coming into play Wednesday in 56 MLB games, 179 plate appearances, he hit just 196 with a 296 on base, 261 slugging, two homers, and a 66 WRC plus. But he's one of these guys who has nothing more to prove at AAA. Like he continues to dominate AAA. His numbers with the Norfolk Tides this year: 44 games, 191 plate appearances, 291 average, 382 on base, 479 slugging, seven homers, a 130 WRC plus in AAA. He's clearly better than the AAA competition he's facing but he's clearly not cut out to face major league pitching. So it looks like Tyler Nevin, who I had a lot of hope for, and I was part of the Tyler Nevin hive early in the year, might just be kind of a quad A player, one of those guys too good for AAA, but never puts it together in the big leagues. And he's still young. He could still figure it out. And we'll see if he survives the offseason on the Orioles 40-man roster. But he'll get one more chance to kind of show something here in the final week of the season. And then the Orioles also added Bo Salser, the right-handed pitcher who was on the Orioles taxi squad all week in Boston. I was actually surprised the O's didn't add Salser before Tuesday's game, but they add him before Wednesday's game. He's made five appearances with the Orioles this year since they claimed him off waivers from the Pirates. Of course, Bo, the brother of former Oriole Cole Salser, in his five appearances with the O's, 11 and a third innings pitched, a 3.97 ERA, nine strikeouts and three walks. And in his time with the Norfolk Tides this year, 17 appearances, three starts, a 4.70 ERA, about nine strikeouts and two walks per nine. He's been pretty good. He's got similar stuff to Cole, and he can give you a long relief outing if you need it as well. And with Salser and Aiken coming up, the Orioles had to option two pitchers, and it was two of the guys I talked about back on Wednesday's episode. Joey Crable and Jake Reed, the two right-handers who struggled mightily Early in the game, replacing Kyle Bradish on Tuesday, were both optioned to AAA Norfolk. Many wanted them DFA'd, but both guys have options. So when you do, you're not going to DFA him. You're going to keep him on the 40-man, keep getting a look at him for as long as you can. But Jake Reed, it was good to start when the Orioles first claimed him, but the last couple appearances has been bad. He goes down to AAA. And then Joey Crable goes down as well. And that went a little more surprising because Crable has been on the Orioles roster since opening day. He's been on the roster since they claimed him from the Rays in mid-September last season. And this is the first time he's going down to AAA. But it's been bad lately for Crable. In his last six appearances, five and two-thirds innings, nine runs on ten hits, five Ks, three walks, and two homers. That's a 14.29 ERA for Crable in his last six appearances out of the Orioles' bullpen. Just hasn't been good. And just like with Aiken, unless there's another Orioles injury, that will be it at the major league level this year for Joey Crable and for Jake Reed. Obviously, Reed didn't spend a lot of time, but you know, it's uh, soon we will get kind of a full look back on Crable's 2022 season, the great start and kind of the slow finish for a middle reliever out of the bullpen. But 
just stinks to see him really struggle lately. The Orioles trusted him early in the year. Brandon Hyde was kind of trusting him less and less as the season went on, and that's why he ended up in AAA. But these roster moves couldn't help the O's win Wednesday. Hopefully it helps them win Thursday. They can split the four-game set and win the season series against the Red Sox and somehow, someway, maybe stay in this playoff chase here for at least a couple of days. As I look here, Seattle has now taken the lead. Yeah, things uh, things not feeling great for the Orioles trying to get into the postseason. But I'll be back tomorrow for one final episode here this week on the podcast. Of course, I'll recap game four between the O's and the Sox. Get you the five things you need to know. Get you ready for the series between the Orioles and the Yankees in the Bronx this weekend and talk all things O's on tomorrow's episode. But until then, I'm Connor Newcomb, and this has been the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day.